So I actually made a really difficult position and surprised a lot of people when I, I put in my two weeks notice and I was about to get promoted to this you know, next level position. I accepted a role at another company that was over uh, over $100,000 less than what I would have been paid at the current company I was at. And the reason I did that was for the learning component. I wanted to get to a 10 out of 10 as an individual contributor and as a seller before I managed and before I led other sellers. Hey everybody, it's your host, Hampton Dorch. And if you know anything about me, you know that that clip that you just heard got me out of my chair. I was so fired up because so much of what I'm teaching on this podcast is what I'm learning about just focusing on learning, especially being younger in your career. And this guy is doing that better than anybody. He's got a real life story of turning down a $100,000 pay raise to go actually make less money somewhere else because he knew it would benefit him more in the long run. You're going to get a lot out of this one today. So make sure to listen to all of it. Brian is the man. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by O'Henry's Coffee. So stop by there if you're in Birmingham. Let's hop in. I don't talk about this a lot, but I am in tech sales. And today I have someone that I know I could learn quite a lot from. Uh, he posts a lot about it on LinkedIn. I'll read his posts and learn from him. He's got newsletters, resources. Like this is the guy. So I may get some like in-person sales coaching on the fly, but he's not just about that. He's got a lot more value to add. Uh, but Brian Lamana, welcome to the show, man. Hampton, super excited to be here. Okay. So your LinkedIn profile says all in leader. I, I, I don't know exactly what you mean by that. I may have some guesses, but what I feel like I'm going to love it. T tell me more about that. I think you're the first person to call that out. My, my bio is pretty concise and succinct. I, I put all in there. I'm, I'm really intentional in terms of like, Anything I do, I've been this way since I grew up. If I play a sport, I go absolutely all out for that sport. I'm not just doing something to do it. I, I want to make sure that uh, anything I commit to, I'm going, you know, quote unquote, all in for. A couple examples from like the um, creator side of things, like a newsletter I have posting on LinkedIn, some of the different resources I built. I go all out of those different components, but I try to stay really focused in terms of like, what I love most and what I'm best at and what I want to focus my time and attention versus, um, you know, I'm not good with things like podcasts or video like you might be. So I, I try not to spread myself like too thin and whatever I choose to take part of, I, I try to go 110% up. Come on. I think it's important to focus and, and really go all in. I would say I'm, I'm there with you. It might serve as my greatest strength and occasionally biggest weakness because <laughs> balance and moderation uh, might sometimes be a good thing. And I sometimes struggle with it. I don't know. D does that resonate or are you like, no, all in all the time? It, it never it never bites me in the butt for for not being able to like pull back a little bit. Yeah, it it's tricky. I think uh, especially with like job and, and work-life balance and whatnot you you want to make sure that you know you can go all in at work but still rest and recharge and focus on the other things that matter i think where a lot of my mindset with it comes in is just like hey if i'm working i'm going all out i'm trying to get as much done as possible from eight to five but conversely if i'm resting or i'm recharging at night and watching tv or hanging out with friends like i'm gonna be fully present gonna be all there all in kind of whatever situation I'm in. Um, so uh, I'm kind of an always on type of person and, and thinker, but I try to use that to just kind of compartmentalize and, and 
stay fully present with whatever I'm focused on. I love it. You mentioned always on there is this quiz by Liz Wiseman from her book multipliers and, and it's called the accidental diminishers quiz. And it's everybody has like an accidental diminishing quality that although it might come from like a good quality or good intentions can somehow or sometimes um, accidentally diminish the people around them. Mine is always on, uh, like you said. <laughs> and so it, it's funny, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but but um, what I've learned from that is sometimes being in the office early in the morning, people don't want like the loud high fives and fist pumps. They're like, hey, let me drink my coffee and like check my email. So it's been, it's been a good self-awareness practice for me, but I'm glad we share that all in together. I mean, us in the same room, there might be a little bit too much uh, all in this. People would be like, chill out guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I'm looking across your LinkedIn, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this resource for, uh, interview questions for, for people. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Happy to. I think, I think one of the challenges in, in any form of interview is oftentimes you're trying and working so hard to impress the other side that really with all of your preparation, it's more of how you're gonna answer questions to them in terms of you know your biggest strengths, your biggest weaknesses, why you're qualified for this role. But what I found when I've gone through the interview process a couple of different times at, at different companies was it's really important to keep it a two-way interview at the same time and make sure that you're asking them questions, you're vetting the role that you're looking to apply to and and what that might look like. Oftentimes recruiters or the hiring manager might just give you a couple minutes at the end of an interview call to, hey, what questions do you have for me type of thing. And I think it's really important to be really intentional with your five minutes you get to ask them questions with some different ones uh, that can shed some light and shed some insight with really pointed questions into different areas of the job that, uh, you know, you might not get just from a broader question, like talk to me about the culture there. You're not really going to learn a whole lot. So I put together this basically one pager of 23 different uh, really specific interview questions that uh, I've used myself. I've crowdsourced as well from other people uh, just to give others more of a starting point. That's super helpful to really be prepared with those questions. And there's one specifically I want to hit on in a minute. But before we do that, I got to ask what was the catalyst for you creating this? I mean, did, have you gotten burned in interviews before or taken a job and, and we may be calling somebody out here, but taking a job that maybe something was promised to you and you're like, ah, I should have asked that question. Like, why, why'd, why'd you make this? Fortunately, I have never been burned by what a lot of those questions are trying to prevent. I'd say there's two main things. One, um, seeing other people that have gotten burned, especially in sales, oftentimes, they'll present some job offer that has uh, more of a guess behind your earnings since there's a variable component in terms of the potential commission you can hit if you, you know, exceed certain sales targets that candidly aren't always realistic. So I wanted to kind of uh, you know, de-risk that for people that are going through the interview process and help you know, sales professionals get a true understanding of what they can expect to earn for themselves and potentially their family. And then the second reason I created it was uh, it's the most common question I get asked over LinkedIn DMs, over email as well. I was like, hey, I've got this super important interview coming up. What should I be asking? What should I be vetting? 
And I realized I'd basically been answering the same question on a, on a near weekly cadence. So I wanted to put together a resource for it and uh, it's completely free. And I think I've gotten around 500 plus downloads in the last three weeks alone. So um, I'm glad it's been valuable for others. And uh, that's that, uh, maybe there's more ideas like that out there as well. Heck yeah. And that that is a quite a high leverage activity right there knowing, okay, if I'm answering this question every week, I want to be helpful, but let me just go ahead and make this. So I, I'm, I'm glad that, that you have that resource for people. One of the, uh, what seemed to be pillars on throughout those questions was about learning and development. And with you being in sales, you know, a lot of times I obviously know this isn't, you know, I don't feel this way, but like I could ask, don't you just want to know how much like money you're going to make, you know, but, but like, I want to know at you, someone who's younger in their career, like myself, what prompted you to put like the learning and development on there? Yeah, I think first off, I, I think a lot of people, especially in their, their early twenties, like that's what they're truly looking for at the end of the day. I think money's important. Don't get me wrong, but we're trying to learn and grow as much as possible. Maybe the job we're even working today, we're not for sure if that's exactly what we're gonna wanna be doing five years from now. So it's really important that whatever role you take, you can continue to grow and develop as a person in that broader profession, whether it be marketing or sales or, or any other industry as well. So I think that learning and development piece is, is really key. And then if you wanna flip it uh, from an earnings perspective, something I found as well, at least in sales is that if I'm really passionate about like the product that I'm selling and you know, it excites me and I want to learn more about it as well as I'm excited about who I'm talking with, whether I'm selling to more sales leaders or IT or cybersecurity, it makes work not really feel like work. If both of those elements are there in terms of, you know, the product excites me as well as who I'm talking to on a daily basis. And a lot of those other pieces with earnings are just going to naturally come. If you're excited about your work, if you're learning, if you're growing, you're developing, the earnings will take care of itself in, in the long run, at least what I found in, in most roles. So um, it, it's really more of a priority for me over some you know, broad number of potential earnings I could make based on you know, different targets. And if you've been listening to this podcast for any matter of time, you know that I am struggling to stay in my seat right now because I am, I am right there with you, man. Like I, I often say, and I didn't come up with this, but like learn before you earn. And ideally you're doing both. Like you can do both. Brian is definitely doing both. But like at the end of the day, like you said, the more that you learn, you'll probably end up earning more in the long run anyways. But like, I think so often people early on in their twenties are like chasing chasing a certain paycheck and it's like, okay, you may get that, but then you might get burned out. And when you can actually really make money in your thirties and beyond, then like you may have burned yourself out as opposed to learning and becoming more valuable. And so I am just fired up about that. And, and Brian has a great learn before you earn story. If you will, I saw you post about how it looked like you had the opportunity to become a manager and you said, no, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, but happy to. So the first company I was at, I, I started there right after college. I was about 22 years old and I started very entry level in a position called sales development representative. And I ended up getting promoted to account executive and was, uh, you know, the person closing the deals and running demos and all of that for a little over two years. And I was fortunate enough to find a lot of success in that role. 
And that company came to me and said, hey, Brian, we'd love for you to be a sales manager and actually help train and coach and oversee a team of four other account executives. So I'd basically be the manager over them. Uh, at first, it sounded super exciting. Who wouldn't want that manager title? Came with a pay increase as well. So I, I actually went into a training program for it at that company. It was a three-month program. And in month three, I started to just realize and in, internalize as well, maybe this isn't the absolute best path for me. Um, I was just 24 years old at the time. I didn't for sure know if I wanted to go into management or if I wanted to necessarily or was ready to lead other people. And in talking with other peers and uh, you know, mentors and, and people I trusted, they advised me that, hey, before you go into management, really perfect your craft and what you're doing first is more of like an individual contributor and as a seller. So I actually made a really difficult position and surprised a lot of people when I, I put in my two weeks notice and I was about to get promoted to this you know, next level position. I accepted a role at another company that was over uh, over $100,000 less than what I would have been paid at the current company I was at. And the reason I did that was for the learning component. I wanted to get to a 10 out of 10 as an individual contributor and as a seller before I managed and before I led other sellers. Uh, I wanted to make sure I could perfect my craft, do it uh, successfully at another company, learn another industry, learn another product, and just didn't feel like I was ready for management yet. Uh, the way I was thinking about it is if, if and when I'm successful at that new company, I could go into management the rest of my life, which could be you know, 20, 30 years of leading other people, but I wanted to make sure I was ready first and foremost, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Dude, nobody does that. Like, and I'm so glad that you did, and I'm glad that our listeners are hearing that story because so often it's like, oh, a pay raise, I'm gonna make a lot more money, I'm gonna be a manager, I'm gonna have this title. And like, guys, Brian took a step back and thought about the long term, and we live in a immediate gratification culture. And that might've like felt good for a while. Um, but I, I love that you said you wanted to perfect your craft to become a 10 out of 10. Now I, I was going to ask, I mean, how did you know to do that? You mentioned maybe a few, a few mentors. Um, is that, was, is that the main thing? Like the, the main piece of advice, just cause I think a lot of people, even though they might know in the back of their head, like, oh, I should probably learn a little bit more. Maybe their ego kind of pushes them forward. But how in the world, like, did you, did you know, like, oh yeah, I need to learn. I want to become a 10 out of 10. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it started with more, a little bit of a gut feel, like as I was going through the training program and I was learning how I was going to coach and manage other people, like I didn't have a lot of it, like fully figured out yet. And like, you know, truly you probably never have it fully figured out, but I just started to realize that like, hey, maybe like this is too early. Hey, maybe this is a little bit rushed. I'm not ready to you know, quite yet step into a managerial role. And then with talking with like other peers as well, they just kind of shared the flip side of like management sounds great and having that you know next title on your name or that that bump. But in reality, it's, it's pretty nice as well to be able to stay an individual contributor in sales and just kind of work on your craft because when you manage people, you take on responsibility. And candidly, it's a very, very different role in sales. If you're managing people and coaching them versus being that you know seller actually on the front lines, it's a very different job on a day-to-day -day basis. And 
in kind of weighing the pros and cons, I, I saw more value in continuing to stay an individual seller and knew that if I continue to find success, uh, I could definitely have that opportunity again down the road. It is totally different being in management, but hey, um, shameless plug for you. It's probably a lot easier if you have gong, right? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, definitely easier. It's uh, make, makes your life a whole lot easier as a manager or a seller. Yeah, I, I bet. Okay, can you can you tell me like did having so as you were interviewing for the job that you're in now, um, did was it like was it helpful to be able to share? Hey, I have this opportunity, like this this pretty big opportunity. They want me to lead and manage and coach, but I want to learn and grow and become a a, a master of my craft. Like I have a feeling that had to be attractive to. Uh, you know, going the company you were interviewing for to hear that. Do you feel like that was helpful for you in, in the process? Yeah, it definitely was. I think it from one was just help from a leverage standpoint and in, in that my next best alternative was staying at my current company, getting paid even more, having a managerial position. So I think they knew during the interview process that, uh, it wasn't just about like vetting me, but they had to, you know, sell themselves a little bit as well. And, uh, you know, kind of share the the pros to joining their company at the stage they were at. And it was definitely helpful just in terms of like craft crafting the overall narrative on why I do want to go back to staying an individual seller and some of what I was hoping to get out of a company. So I was able to really share with them like, Hey, I'm looking for, you know, not just a job, but a long-term career at a company like this that I can grow, that I can continue developing some of my skills. And that's the reason I'm even looking in the first place and considering basically a pay cut from, you know, what would be this promotion because uh, I'm so invested in, you know, wanting to become the absolute best seller I can be. And, you know, I think this could be the company to, to do it at. I love it. Now, can you tell me um, if it's paid off? It certainly seems like it has. At, do you feel like you have leveled up your game quite a bit since since taking on this new role? Yeah, uh, 100%. It's, it's been an awesome decision. Uh, overall, it you know was still challenging when I came in. Like at the end of the day, when you come in as a, as a new seller, really any role or any career you're at, like you have a lot to learn. I felt like I was kind of like drinking from the fire hose for the first three or four months, but I was really just focused on like, hey, how can I shorten up my own ramp time? Can I, you know, learn from some of the top performers on my team? Can I set up different one-on-ones, do extra role plays, like going above and beyond just to like improve my own time to ramp so that I could get up to speed as fast as possible and make an impact. But really since then, it, it's been, um, it's been tremendous. I've been there a little over two years now, uh, have no plans in leaving and have actually gotten promoted now three times as well. Um, just as a seller, but uh, kind of working different markets and, and different segments. So it's been uh, it's been a blast. I love it, man. Well, congrats to you, and and I'm sure it's been awesome to see that pay off. And you mentioned something that is no surprise to hear. I saw a little bit of this on LinkedIn, but guys, uh, Brian found people that were better than him, that knew more about sales, knew more about the product than him, and he reached out, humbled himself, and asked questions. And it looks like it paid off. So. Um, it, whether you have a story or like a prompt to our listeners to say, Hey, like humble yourself. Uh, it sounds like it was pretty beneficial for you to, to reach out to some folks. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's been, uh, 
it's been more or less my playbook at both companies now the first company and the second company as well but it's come in with zero ego be super humble and identify specifically like who the absolute top performers are and, and learn directly from them um it's not copying it's you know they're going to be flattered that you want to learn their tactics and how they go about different conversations and Candidly, I think this framework really works for any role, whether it's sales or marketing or engineering, but I basically bucketed out the different aspects of my job. So as an example, it could be sending cold emails, it could be running demos, it could be negotiations. And then for each of those buckets, I identified who's the absolute best at running demos. Who's the best person at our company at negotiation? And I learned directly from them. And that was really my goal. Um, for anyone that has to take like the ACT or SAT, I kind of think of it as like super scoring where I'm trying to like combine the best elements and put it all together. And that's really what, what my starting point was, was just taking those other pieces, combining it together. Over time, you'll slowly make it your own. You'll put your own flair on it, your own spin. But, um, you know, go go learn from the best. Like They're going to be flattered. Conversely, right, you're not going to copy off the person with a C in the class, right? Be really careful who you're learning from and, and taking direction from because there's a lot of people that are really willing to help, but you want to make sure you're learning from um, people that are not only very successful, but have you know, repeatable ways that they do things. Yeah, definitely important to be mindful of who we're learning from. I love the super score analogy right there. It's really good. So I've seen you share a little bit about this, but I feel like you're a kind of the kind of guy that does the extra work. Like you're, you're an all in leader, like we said. And so you alluded to, you know, sending, um, follow-up emails and preparing a ton before calls. And that seems like kind of the boring work, that boring work that you know, as an AE, you could probably like roll into a call and still probably do fine. But, but if you actually do it, it could pay off a lot. I mean, is that, is that something that you feel like is setting you apart from other sellers? Yes. I, I had a colleague that was on my team for a little over a year at Gong and he used to call me little things Lamana because I'd always tell him and preach that it's all about these little things, but they they add up and they compound shavings, make a pile. Right. And it's, it's candidly a lot of things that are really boring to others, but they take absolutely zero skill and they can differentiate yourself as a seller. It's things like really thorough and concise follow-up emails that are on time. If you promise a prospect or a customer or something, delivering on it the same day, making it really readable over preparing for calls, trying to learn everything about their business. A lot of the, the customers we speak to, they're either public or they're private and they have funding. There's a lot of stuff on the internet about them. I'm gonna come into those calls knowing their CEO's name, knowing their CFO's name, knowing their investor names, knowing their different strategic initiatives and priorities so that I can show up to those calls with a point of view and earning trust from the get-go. A lot of those little things like that, again, they don't take any skill, but a lot of sellers in, in sales just aren't willing to put in the work or put in the time. And um, those are the areas I'm more than happy to lean into and, and help differentiate myself as a seller to uh, you know, get my edge. Mm. Was there a time that you ever weren't like that? 
Like, were, did you ever kind of just do the bare minimum or, or lazy and, and you learned a lesson from it? Or have you just always been the, the all in kind of guy? That's tough. I, I definitely didn't do like all these components that I'm talking through in my first year versus where I'm at now with, you know, year five in sales. I, I think the way I've built and kind of developed all of this, I, I try to think through anything that I'm doing a lot and doing consistently, like if there's a smarter or a better way to do things, and if I can create a system around it, just like the example earlier with the, the person DMing me weekly about, hey, what interview questions would you ask? I'm constantly thinking like, hey, is there a way I could you know, maybe do this smarter or more efficiently so that I don't have to answer people every single week, but I can put a resource together to reach 10 times the amount of people. It's the same things I do um, from a seller's perspective of like pre-call prep. I've probably ran about a thousand different demos at this point over the last five years doing little things. Like I actually built my own pre-call template that will just automatically basically populate the different aspects that I need to go through when I prep. Like, hey, what's their CEO's name? Are they private or public? What are their investors? To take some of like the mind work out of it so that when I'm going through to prep, I'm just going through like a checklist that I created and that I know works for me. So I'm able to spend time. So maybe another seller will take 15 minutes to prep, but they're only learning half as much as I'm going to learn in that 15 minutes because you know I built out a different resource that can help me get to you know what I'm trying to learn faster. Man, I'm getting convicted hearing you hearing you talk. I feel like you're you're a big systems guy, and there's definitely areas in my life and in work where you know if you you take a step back, zoom out, and build that playbook or that system or that list of questions, it may take time, um, but it's definitely a high leverage action that is going to pay off because now every call that you get on, I mean, you you just know exactly what you are looking for. So. I'm sure that's gone quite a long way. Now, I want to hear like a little bit about you just from outside of work and and maybe not, you know, work related things. I mean, one of the things I saw was it looks like you and of course, this isn't surprising. You have a system for it now, but you said you journaled 52 weeks in a row. Big journaler. Yep. And and you're spot on. I get another chance to talk about another system. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I got into journaling a couple of years ago, actually. I think why I started was, I, I feel like I'm the type of person that can never remember what I did six months ago or that, you know, that place I went a year ago on vacation. And it, it started giving me a little bit of anxiety in general, of just like me forgetting things and not having a good memory. So I wanted to jot down at least like really key things in my weeks or my months or different critical events that I could kind of take note of. and. Also, I think just writing it down helps reinforce a lot of it. So I started with like a physical journal and doing that, but uh, my handwriting's horrible. I also write really slowly, which I know is a, a weird problem, but it's probably because my handwriting is so bad. So what that led to is I was really inconsistent where like I would go weeks at a time where I wouldn't do it. And then I'd be like, oh, I haven't done it in the last three months. I have too much to catch up on. So I've gotten this really great habit now where again, I built a template for it. It basically will pre-populate mm. a list of questions and I'll be like, hey, Brian, what was the biggest highlight of last week? What's one thing you learned from last week? What are three lessons that you know you learned and could apply going into the next week? 
So there's different like prompted related questions that kind of make it more fun for me versus just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, et cetera, that make me kind of think. I spend about 15 to 30 minutes every Sunday. We'll grab some coffee. I'll pull out my laptop, load the template in Notion, and I'll just uh, go through an, an action on it. And I actually have it on my work calendar as well. So I have to check off the task, delete it, uh, and make sure it's completed with. So it's been a really good habit for me. I've done it for a little over a year now. And candidly, I don't think I'll stop. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I am a, a junkie for something called the working genius. It's it's a like a personality assessment productivity tool. Have you happened to hear of it? I believe I have. Okay, well, well, anyways, it is quite obvious to me what one of your uh, geniuses is. It's got to be one of the ones that's called tenacity. Um, that is the person that like has systems, loves checking the box, taking something from like 90 to 100% finishing projects and tasks. Um, and and I'm all about the working genius. So just hearing you talk, I'm like, that is definitely Brian. <laughs> I see the Atomic Habits book in the in the background as well. Uh, huge fan of that, and also uh, Extreme Ownership with Jocko. There, I've read that as well. Oh yeah, love it, man. Those, those are always good conversation starters. Um, well, dude, this has been great. I mean, I'm I am learning a bunch from you. It, it seems like you are rather intentional with everything that you do, and I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people waste their 20s waste kind of the early years of their career or chase the wrong thing um and there is no right or wrong i think we have to have a date with ourselves and ask like what do i want what is the goal and so often i'm giving advice for people and saying hey you don't know exactly where you're going you and i talked about this but ask yourself the question what direction am i heading like the work that i'm doing right now do i get the hunch that this is going to transfer into whatever is next and you seem like the type of guy that is living that out more than just about anybody I've met. So uh, keep keep it up, Brian. Keep killing it, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been uh, been a blast as well. All right, it's time for you and me to wake up and lead. <laughs>